1: To empower us to be your witnesses to do the work that you have called us to do which is the great commission that you jesus you gave us before you took your rightful place of honor and for anyone who hears this message to follow that same commission jesus you said father i want them to know that you love them as much as you love me father you love us as much as you love jesus and i pray we all come to know the depth of that statement i pray for the move of your spirit here today here in this place And on all the ears that hear this message, so they will know that you are the one true living God. And we are your people in Jesus' name. Amen. This is a powerful day. He does want you to know that you're his people. There's two classifications. You're either saved or unsaved. You either know him or you're estranged from him. And we're trying to, we're we're commissioned to go and reintroduce those ones that are lost. And when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we have to talk about where the Holy Spirit came from, where the origin is. Jesus, when he was talking to the Father, said, Father, restore back to me the place that I had before this all began. And that same place that he was going back to is the same place that the Holy Spirit is. And then if we look at the writings, when we first hear about the Holy Spirit, do you know where that is? It's in Genesis 1. It says the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. In one translation, it says the Holy Spirit was covering the waters, which means the Holy Spirit completely encompassed the world. And then we look at the definition of the hover, or in different translations, it's it's the word ratchet. Ratcheth is, and um, it's mentioned three times in the Bible. One is in in uh, Jeremiah. One's in Deuteronomy. In Deuteronomy, it's, it talks about the eagle's wings spread out and covering. So there's protection from it. So why was the Holy Spirit here that early? Well, let me, well, let me just explain to you that there's some definitions of it. And when we go to racheth, the, uh, the word indicates a high de- degree of care or intentionality in waiting. Then, if we look at definitions of hovering, it says to float in the air without moving in any direction, waiting. To stay very close to a person or place, waiting. To stay near a specified point or level, waiting. To be or remain in a specified state or condition, waiting. And then we go down to a person who hovers, stands near someone, eagerly waiting. And this is the one that, that really I, I love a father waiting for his wife to deliver their child. There's an excitement in this. So the Holy Spirit and his protective love hovers over the complete surface of the planet, waiting for what? So if we go down to verse 26, it says this, where God said, let us make man in our image. So the Holy Spirit was waiting for us. For you. There was an excitement and anticipation for it. Just like there's an excitement, anticipation for this message. And as we heard with the, the songs, it's confirmation on the message that he gave us for you, for us as a body. That there's encouragement from that. So God already shared his plan in heaven. And in Genesis, he was executing the plan with an excitement that had his spirit hovering, waiting for us. That's the excitement. That's how dear and precious we are to him. That his spirit was anticipating and hovering, waiting for us. So as a spirit, and and Jesus said this many times, he says, those who have ears to hear, let them hear what this spirit is saying. So not just listening, but opening your ears to hear him. And so Graham has some impact statements that are just very, very to the point. So as he delivers those impact statements, open your ears to hear because there's a deep message in it and receive what the Spirit is saying.
2: Amen. Good morning, church. Um, Before we start again, I just want to say it again, how thankful I am for this church. Church isn't a building, it's it's people. And we have... um, Awesome people in this church. There's no such thing as a perfect church, but we have a really good one, and I appreciate you guys. I just want to get started. So how many know that Jesus didn't come to start a religion? He didn't. Christianity is not a set of rules to follow, but a relationship with a real personal God, primarily with the person of the Holy Spirit. In this room, there are different thoughts, beliefs, different degrees of understanding and relationship with the Holy Spirit. So who is the Holy Spirit? He's the third person of the Trinity, co-equal, co-eternal with the Father and the Son. He's God Almighty. The Holy Spirit is the only member of the Godhead on earth. The Holy Spirit is not a dove. He's not a pillar of fire. He's not a cloud. He's not the tingles. He doesn't, and he's not speaking in tongues. The Holy Spirit is a person, a divine personality. He is God, and he manifests or reveals himself to the natural world as he chooses to. He's a God of order. The Holy Spirit sometimes gets a bad reputation, and the manifestations of the Spirit often get dismissed because us Christians get weird So I want to give you an example. We should be able to hold a job, have hobbies, play sports, do things, have normal down-to-earth lives, but still believe in an invisible God who does miracles. Amen. Amen. Right? right. Godly character should be the byproduct of a spirit-filled life. Okay? Um, There's a quote here from R. Lauren Sanford that says, If the goal is to be supernatural, we'll end up shipwrecked. But if the goal is to be intimate with Jesus, we'll end up supernatural. See the difference? And it's impossible to be a Christian without the Holy Spirit. That's how we get born again. That's how he interacts with us. So the gospel is a simple but powerful message, Um, But at times, there's times where God will lead us to open up a section of Scripture and kind of nerd out on it a little bit. And just to understand the truth that's wrapped up in it, to absorb it into our life for change. And then we put it back and return back to the simplicity of the gospel. So that's kind of what we're going to do. And I believe that this will show the heart and intention of God the Father as we dig through this, which is what we want, right? So anyway, let's start at the beginning. Like James was saying, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and creation was good. There was no war. There was no poverty. There was no pollution. There was no sickness. Everything was perfect. Uh, God spoke to the seas and the waters were filled with all kinds of sea creatures. He spoke to the air and all the birds came forth. He spoke to the ground, all the animals and plants and insects came forth. And then he said... Uh, he saw everything that he, he had made, and he said it was very good. Genesis one let let's make man in our image, in our likeness, inward likeness, outward representation as well. Genesis 2.7, he says, God breathed into Adam the breath of life, and he became a living soul. And Adam and Eve walked with God in the cool of the day, and they were both naked. Adam and Eve were both naked and not ashamed. But then something happened. In Genesis 2.15, out of the King James Version, I'm going to read it, and you can put it up if you like. It says, Then the Lord God took man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you will not eat. For the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. And we know what happened. They ended up crunching into that fruit, and the effects were instant. Their eyes were opened. They suddenly knew that they were naked. They made themselves coverings and they hid themselves from the presence of God. They were separated from God. And the definition of spiritual death is separation from God caused by sin. That's what happened. They ran from God and they hid. When Adam sinned, he instantly spiritually died, but did not physically die for another 930 years. In Genesis 2, 17, the Hebrew, when it says in dying, when it says you will surely die, it actually says in dying you will surely die. So what happened was his spiritual life instantly snuffed, but almost like picking a flower, you can pull the plant from the source, from the vine. It's dead from that moment on, but it still has life in it. It takes a while to to wilt. If you jack a car and you go shooting down the road in it and you, pump on the gas then jump out of the car, that car is going to keep going until it runs out of momentum or until it hits something. That's kind of what happened to to people. So spiritual death does not mean that we cease to exist. Our body will return to the ground when it dies, but our spirit and our soul will return to the creator to be judged. Everyone who was ever alive on earth will live forever after they physically die. The important question is where and how will we live it? Will we spend, Where will we spend eternity? What's our spiritual condition? Are we spiritually alive or dead? So if we had a, an x-ray machine up here, this is the example I used earlier, if we had an x-ray machine up here and we put somebody who was born again and somebody who wasn't born again and you stood them beside each other and ran this special scanner across them, there would be a difference. One person's spirit is alive one person's is dead, right? Very different. Genesis 3.21, this is the big one. I want to, if we can go over there, if you want to put it on the screen or not, I'm going to read it out of the New King, King James Version, and it says, um, also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. He killed an animal. Then the Lord God said, behold, the man has become like one of us to know good and evil. Now, lest he put out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. So he drove out the man and he placed cherubim at the east of the garden of Eden and a flaming sword which turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. Now, it broke God's heart, but he had to send him away because he couldn't reach out and live forever in that broken state. So let's... Um, Well, instead of taking dominion and subduing the earth, Adam was sent out into the world to till the ground by the sweat of his brow, and Eve would painfully bring forth children. In short, sin entered the world and spread to all men. But God had a plan to restore us. So let's just fast forward to the tabernacle for the sake of time. Um, I'm not sure how many people have People have ever read much about the tabernacle, but in the Old Testament, when the children of Israel were delivered from Egypt, they were delivered by a mighty hand crossing the Red Sea. Moses went up onto Mount Sinai, and that's where God gave him the Ten Commandments on the tablets of stone. But at the same time, he also gave him the instructions and the plan for the tabernacle. Uh, It was God's plan, it was God's design. It wasn't man's idea. And the tabernacle actually means dwelling place. And so the tabernacle was basically a tent divided into three sections. So the outer, the outer section was more like a, a courtyard. It, it wasn't enclosed, but it had a fence around it, fenced in by curtains. And in the outer court, there was the brazen altar. That's where the priests would go in and do their substitutionary sacrifices for the sins of the people of Israel. And so what they would do is they would lay their hands on this animal and believe that by faith they were transferring their sins into the animal and kill it. And then the sins would die with the animal and would make the person innocent. The next step, they would go to the brazen laver, which was basically a big washing pot, and they would ceremonially, ceremonially get clean. And that was the outer court. And then they would step into the inner court and the, the, the holy place, the inner court, and in there, there were three articles. There was a table of showbread that had 12 loaves of bread on it, representing the 12 tribes of Israel. And when the priest would come in there, he would consume these 12 loaves, and it would be symbolic of that he was carrying the nation of Israel with him. Um, and it, it carried the implication that you can't have a meal with someone if you're not at peace with them. So it was stating that he had peace with God. Israel had peace with God. The next article was the menorah, which was a tree shaped golden candlestick with seven branches. It was the only light in the tent, and it had to be burning all the time. Then the last article was the altar of incense. And what they would do is the high priest would come in, or the priest would come in and and, and kneel before it and burn incense as a symbolic of prayers to God, representing the nation of Israel. And the prayers to God. And then, in between the holy place and the most holy place, the Holy of Holies, was this curtain. And on this curtain, um, it was thick and it had angelic uh, images embroidered into it. And the priest would step in past the veil into the Holy of Holies where the Ark of the Covenant was. The Ark of the Covenant was a wooden box covered in gold, but it had angels on the top, on the lid. and That was the mercy seat. The priest would come in with the blood of the animal and he would sprinkle it on top of the mercy seat. And when he did that, that was the atoning of the sin. And then the presence of God would come and hover over the mercy seat, right? It was the presence of God. It contained the tablets of stone, the rod that budded and a pot of manna. The one thing that was really cool about it too is that if you were to step back and look at the tabernacle from God's perspective or from an aerial view, God gave very specific instructions about where he wanted the tribes of Israel to encamp. And so we would have three on each side, north, south, east, and west. And if you were to look at it from a bird's eye view, you would see a cross on the ground, a little wink to Jesus coming down the road. And right in the center of that cross is the Ark of the Covenant, the very presence of God. It's showing you what his heart was from the beginning. You know, it was always about relationship with his people. I think that I get blown away at the wisdom and the mercy of God because um, if you look at the, the tabernacle when you come in, going back to that Genesis situation, God instructed the people to come into the tabernacle from the east. Remember how he got driven out, Adam and Eve got driven out of the eastern side of the garden. He says, You come back in through the east. Just as God had an animal slain and he clothed them with clothes to cover their nakedness, there was an altar right there for a sacrificial lamb. He would wash their hands, clean them up, and bring them into the holy, in the holy place or the, the inner court. And inside the inner court, on the walls, that were decorated with flowers and plants and pomegranates. The menorah, the tree, that the, it represents the tree of life. It's all going back to this Genesis thing. Do you see what's going on here? God was bringing people back to the original intention in the first place you know, he was recreating and sending them back in to restore the garden experience. Even in our broken condition, even with our sinful nature, he was bringing us back to that garden, that garden experience so that he could restore us to his presence, you know. So after the uh, the priest would come in there and they'd open the veil, the veil had cherubim on it. Again, you see how he's The the cherubim would protect the way to the tree of life. Well, God was saying, under these circumstances, I can restore you back to my presence. It's not perfect yet, but I'm not a deadbeat dad. I wanna be with you. I wanna come down here and spend time with you and visit and be with my people, right? So anyway, we're gonna go over the temple now. I, I say the Holy Spirit got an upgrade. It went from a tent to a temple. And in the temple, it was double the size. It was a more permanent building. It was made of stone, but it was the same thing, outer court inner court, holy of holies. And Jesus, it's really cool because Jesus was the sacrificial lamb. Jesus' blood is what cleansed us. His spirit is what cleansed us, just like the labor. When, you go, when we go into the holy place, the holy place, he is the bread of life, right? And so you're sitting down and the bread of life is there. The tree of life is there. Jesus is our high priest offering prayers unto God Right? And he'd go into that holy place. I I love the wisdom of God. But then it gets better because Jesus shows up and he's the walking temple. The Spirit of God dwelt with him and on him. He would say things, well, actually, his name, his name is Emmanuel, God with us. You know? He'd walk around and he would say things like, destroy this temple and I'll raise it up in three days. He would say things like, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the broken. And when he died and he gave up the ghost, it says there was an earthquake and the temple, the veil ripped from top to bottom, signifying that the presence of God is no longer in a building, but it's, it's released but now the part that breaks me every time, there's no more tabernacle. There is no more temple. Where are the temples? See, God never meant and never intended to live in a box. He never intended to live in a fancy tent. He never intended to live in a temple. He intended to live in you and he intended to live in me. And when Jesus fulfilled all of those things and the temple and the tabernacle are gone this is this is what I see and I got to do it again is that when Jesus spoke I believe it was to the woman at the well he said to her there's a time coming where you're not going to worship on this mountain or on that mountain or in this place he said but the people that worship me will worship in spirit and in truth and so this is what I picture all the time is that you just wherever you kneel Wherever you kneel is where the presence of God is. You show up at the foot of the cross and there's your sacrificial lamb. You show up at the foot of the cross and there's the blood and the spirit that cleanses you. He is the bread of life right there. The tree of life isn't just the menorah that was symbolic. The tree of life is the cross. There's our place of communion when we can pray. And talk with our creator right there at the foot of the cross, in the bathroom, in your bedroom, in your car. It doesn't matter where it is. And the blood cleanses us and gives us a confidence before God. It cleanses our conscience. And after we've done laying down our burdens and laying down our sin and putting our flesh down as a living sacrifice, I almost picture just looking at it because Hebrew says that that veil was his flesh, Hebrews 10.20 or something like that. It says that the flesh of Jesus was the veil. I almost picture just peeling it open and stepping right through the cross into the presence of God. It's an awesome, awesome thing. It's the most valuable thing that we've got and it was God's intention right from the very beginning to restore us right back to his presence. It's never been about the rituals. It's never been about religion. It's always been about being made alive unto God and in relationship with him.
3: Amen. You keep going all day. Yeah. yeah, Woo. Yeah. As you can just see, Graham has that pastoral heart, shepherd. So it's part of him. But man, you just got me fired up. I'm ready to go now. I'm ready to run. Uh, I want to dive into um, the book of Acts for a second, but I really want to distinguish like super quickly for everyone, the difference between salvation, water baptism, and the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Because this has been something the Holy Spirit just put on my heart for today that it just breaks his heart that people lack the whole presence of the Holy Spirit, the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And so I want to read in Acts Acts 8, sorry, uh, we see Philip um, in Acts 8, verse 6 to 7. It said, crowds listened intently to Philip because they were eager to hear his message and see the miraculous signs he did. Many evil spirits were cast out, screaming as they left their victims, and many who had been paralyzed or lame were healed. And then we go down to verse 12, it says, but now the people believe Philip's message of good news concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. As a result, many men and women were saved. So Philip had this amazing ministry, right? Signs and wonders from God, and then people were born again and were baptized, were water baptized, okay? And then we go to verse 14, and this is the difference maker right here. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message, they sent Peter and John there. And as soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. Okay, this right here, this is key. The Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them, for they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John laid their hands upon these believers, and they received the Holy Spirit. So we look at Philip. And his ministry is calling. He had this evangelism spirit and calling on his life, and so he went around and you know told people the good news. And there were signs and wonders. But then we have Peter and John that come in the picture, and they're there on assignment for the infilling of the Holy Spirit because there was something else that was missing. So this is a separate experience from being born again. I know some of you guys might be like, "Yeah, but Mitch, like." Don't we have the Holy Spirit like when we like are born again at salvation? And let's see what the word says because don't take my word for it. Ephesians 1 verse 13 to 14. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. And Romans 8, 9. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. So there are some powerful statements here that when we are born again, we receive the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, all three, the Trinity. But when we're born again, there's still something else that we're missing. There's a greater infilling. There's something over and above that the Holy Spirit wants to do. Um, And for the sake of time, I'm not gonna dive into it, but you guys can write these references down. You look at Acts 9, verse 19. Acts 10, verse 44 to 46. Acts 19, verse 1 to 7. So I'm going really fast, but there's so many instances, examples of the separation between the being born again and the infilling, or if you want to call it born again, the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, verse being baptized in the Holy Spirit, the infilling of the Holy Spirit. There's a big difference there. And so it says the infilling of the Holy Spirit, right? This is is huge for all of us to know. It's not a one-time event. It's not a one-time, you know what? Hey, I went to church this one Sunday. I got filled, right? And that's it. I'm good to go forever. This is abiding with God. This is filling constantly, daily, right? Each and every day, moment, just going about your day and being filled by the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5.18 says, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen? I wanna to jump to Acts 1.8 that says, Jesus says to the apostles, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This is so important. Graham alluded to this earlier, but he said something that's so key is that the Holy Spirit is essential to our walk as Christians. It's essential. We cannot separate our Christian beliefs, our Christian core, foundations, and leave the Holy Spirit out. And this is to go back to you too. When you look at being born again, water baptized, and the infilling of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is involved in all of them. He's involved in all three. But they are all separate experiences and we cannot blend them together. That is so important, right? Jesus did not start his ministry on earth until after he received the fullness of the Spirit. We look in Luke 3, verse 21 to 22, right? The Holy Spirit is essential to everything we do. We're we're called as believers to bring heaven down to earth wherever we go. How do we bring heaven down to earth if we're not in tune with the Holy Spirit? I don't know about you, but when I walk around, when I interact with people, I'm asking Holy Spirit, what is it that you want to say to them? What is it that you're doing in this moment? Don't make it about me. I know where I stand with you, but what do you want to say to other people? What are you saying in this room right now? And the only way that you get that revelation and download is from the Holy Spirit. Because I always say this, man, I'm not that smart. I'm not that wise, but with the Holy Spirit, man, he gives me wisdom on wisdom on wisdom for days. Right. And I can say things to people and they'll be like, man, how did you know that, Mitch? And it's, it's not me, it's the Holy Spirit. It's because he knows you intimately, deeply, and personally. So that that's it. Like I think that we're about to go into time. I think uh, can we just have everyone stand up with us? This is uh, huge for us. We wanted to make sure that we made time to for people to receive this morning. Not just yeah, just giving you the message, but we want to make it personal and real because the Holy Spirit is present in the room. Amen. He's real. He's moving. And so what I wanna do is, we did this first service and I wanna do it again because this is super powerful and I don't want anyone to miss out. So please like bear with us, but open up your hearts at this time. I'm gonna ask if there's anyone here from the evangelism team, if they can come to the left side of the platform, please. They can just come up front here. And then if we have any of our elders that are here, if you can come to the center, please. I'm in our prayer team. They can come to the center. And then we have our prophetic team. If you're a part of the prophetic team, If you can go to the right side of the stage, that would be amazing. And so we really want to take this time. This is important for us, and we believe that the Holy Spirit is doing a work inside. Like, from beginning of service until worship until now, like, the Holy Spirit has been moving. And so if you're feeling, you know, in your heart right now is, you know what, I I heard the gospel, the good news, and I want to receive. I want to be born again. I want to have a relationship with the Father, then come see these lovely people up here. But if you're like, hey, you know what? I've never like been baptized in the Holy Spirit. I thought they were the same thing. I mixed up. I, I want more of the Holy Spirit. I want the infilling. I want all the fullness of it. Then I encourage you to come down to the front and see these lovely people as they pray for you and walk you through that. And then if you're like, you know what? I just, I have, I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, but I just need a fresh infilling. I need a fresh fire. I need a fresh stirring on the inside. I can encourage you, go see these guys on the right. Because this is a moment where we have three different things. The Holy Spirit is amazing where we can blitz multiple things at once because he wants to reach each and every one of you. He doesn't want anyone left out. The Holy Spirit is so personal, is so intimate, and loves you so deeply that we have created this moment that he has brought us here. Even before we knew we'd be up here, this moment was already happening because the Holy Spirit saw it and breathed life into it. So I encourage you with this. Before before you guys come down... Listen to this, 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 19 to 22 says, Do not stifle the Holy Spirit, do not scoff at prophecies, but test everything that is said. Hold on to what is good and stay away from every kind of evil. The Holy Spirit was revealing to me as we were talking and making this message um, together that there's so many people who have such a negative view of the Holy Spirit, their heart is instantly turned off as soon as they hear the words Holy Spirit. Maybe for you, it was a word that didn't come to pass. Someone gave you a word and you're like, man, it didn't come to fruition in my life and so Holy Spirit, I'm wrecked. Because you know what? You're clinging to the words of a person more than the words of God. When we look at that, it says in the word, test the word. What does it mean to test the word? I wrote it down. Does it edify? Does it agree with scripture? Does it glorify Jesus? Does it bear good fruit? Does it bring freedom, peace, and confidence? Does your spirit bear witness, your inner spirit? Because this is important. You will get messed up in church. If someone gives you a prophetic word and that's all you're clinging to is, man, you know what? You know, James gave me a word and that's everything. That's what I'm holding my life on. Because it's amazing, you know, that James gave you a word. But the thing is, you take it to the Father. Does it reside in your spirit? Because if you cling to that word and that thing doesn't come to pass or that word was something where there was a humanly flesh involved with it, you'll be broken and hurt and blame God for it. But if you focus and give it to God and say, God, you know what? Not my will be done, but yours. Whatever you want with this word, if it's meant to be, I thank you, God, that it will come to pass. But I place it in your hands. You place it in his hands, you'll never be disappointed. You put your weight on people, you'll be disappointed every time you'll be hurt, you'll be broken. And so the Holy Spirit wants to do something new today because he's breaking off scales and barriers off people today. Because for so long you have blamed the Holy Spirit or you thought he's this weird person like Graham alluded to earlier that it's just like these crazy weird things happen. You're like, I don't want any part of that because the Holy Spirit's too radical for me. (laughs) Let's break that right here, right now. If if you're in the sound of my voice and any of these three things applies to you, I encourage you right now, come down. Come receive. The altar is open. God wants to meet you right here, right now. I don't know. You could put off your lunch, put off all these other things, because this is important. Spend some time in his presence, because it will change you forever. So if you're in the sound of my voice, I encourage you. Make your way down.
2: Yeah, you know, one of the things that I think leading up to this message that was put on my heart is that there's people that have really never experienced the Holy Spirit for themselves, Ever. And they've been coming to church or been a religious person for a long, long time. But Jesus dug into the Pharisees one time and he said, you guys, you strain at all the details of stuff. You know, you measure out your spices so you can tie them right. But he said, you neglect the weightier matters of the law. You know, he said, there's stuff that's more important than that. He's like, mercy, justice, faith, things that have to do with the heart. And a little further down in that chapter, he says, you guys are like whitewashed tombs. Your outsides are pretty. You got it all together on the outside, but your insides are dead. And I think there's people in this place that you've struggled and struggled with sin. You've struggled in your walk with God. And it's been a very religious thing, almost like a New Testament Pharisee. I got to read my Bible today. I got to go to church today or whatever, but there's no life inside. And if that's you... This is an opportunity to make a commitment to draw close to God, and He'll meet you. Um, there, there's an analogy that I thought I, I, I want to share with you. Is um, many of us, when we go home tonight, we're going to park our car in the driveway, go inside for the evening. What's going to happen is just through gravity, all the oil that's in the engine, because of the slope of the pistons and It's all gonna slowly drip through gravity into an oil pan and collect in the car. When you get up in the morning and you start that car, all that oil is in there, but it's at the bottom in the oil pan. It's not doing its job. But as the car starts to run and it warms up, the viscosity of the oil thins out and the suction of the engine starts to pull that oil through, now that oil's actually doing its job. You know what I mean? So is the car spirit-filled, is it filled with oil the night before? Of course it is. But is it doing its job the night before? Absolutely not. And so I'm bringing that up because, just because we're spirit-filled 1982 when Pastor Rick laid his hands on me, that doesn't mean that you're spirit-filled right now. Day by day, kind of hour by hour. You know what I mean? And so I want to encourage you Start developing a relationship with the Holy Ghost on a consistent basis, letting him fill you. That's the long-term freedom that we're looking for is when the Spirit of God in our life is is getting pulled through the engine. It's doing its job. That's how we stay free from sin. That's how we, we have a relationship with him when we connect and he dumps his life into us. So if that applies to you, come on down.
1: You know, the book of Acts is not closed. In the early church, they walked in the power of that spirit. The disciples were, were signing seven people to take care of the, the congregants, and they identified seven people that, that the spirit of God had set apart. One of them was Stephen. And the attributes that Stephen had that are identified in, the, in Acts, it says that he was full of, of faith and full of the spirit. And then we read a little further down in Acts when he was out ministering on the streets and he was delivering people from demons. He was praying for people and everybody was getting healed. He was walking the same power the disciples did. The thing about Stephen, it says there again, he was full of the spirit and he he's full of faith. So we are full of faith and full of the spirit. If you don't have that fullness, come down and get a fresh feeling. If you're feeling challenged, come down. And then for those of you that don't know the Jesus that we're talking about, come on over here and meet him. We'll pray with you. So here's the thing. And the day that Christ comes back to the earth, it says he's gonna sh- separate the sheep From the goats which means that there's going to be sheep and goats mixed in so what does that mean here today believers and unbelievers are going to be mixed in to the body of christ so here how do you say how do you identify a sheep and a goat it's really hard because you blend in and you'll look around and you'll say well nobody knows whether i'm saved or not because i blend in i've been coming to church but inside you know that you're not committed to Christ. So it's not who you can convince that you have to concern yourself with, it's who you can't convince, because he knows who you are. So if you're one of those people that really isn't serving Christ, that don't know him, and you wanna accept him, come on down here. And there's some people that are feeling like they're anchored, that they can't move because the enemy is is convincing you that if you go down, you'll stand out. There's pride. There's bondages that will hold you there. So in Jesus' name, I break the bondages. You release them in Jesus' name. And there's some people here that have some oppressions that are bound in their mind. And there's actually somebody that has been pondering suicide And I break that power in Jesus' name. And you need to come down. Come down and get prayed for. So who here needs a healing? If you need a healing or you need deliverance, whatever you need, put your hands up to heaven. Reach up if you need something from God. If you need something, put your hands up. Raise them up. When you raise your hands up, what you're saying is, I hold nothing of this world of value, Everything I have, I give it to you. I'm not going to hold on to anything. God, I give you everything. I don't want anything. I want you. That's called total surrender. When you have total surrender and you lift your hands, you're going to receive. So, Father, these people are reaching their hands to you, reaching to heaven, where, Jesus, you sit at the right hand of our Father in honor and power and authority. And, Jesus, you gave us the name and the power of that name. And so here today, I use the power and authority of your name. And I pray for these people here. And I command them to be healed, delivered, set free by the power of your name. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're touching these people now. Thank you, thank you, thank you. In the first service, when I closed my eyes, I could see a spine. I'm closing my eyes now, and I'm getting an image of a complete spine, like all the way down, that it's a little crooked. And the spirit of God is moving on you right now and you're feeling some warmth and you're feeling some penetration and he's healing your spine. And again, I see somebody with a hip, a hip problem, that there's a warmth coming to the hip and God is healing that as well. Foot problems, intestinal problems, That he's fixing and correcting and healing them right now and again somebody that's that's confused that's that's got some bondages in his head i command you to be set free in jesus name the spirit of the lord where the spirit of the lord is there is freedom and just so you know that everything that's happening here today everything that's happening in the first service and happening in this service, this is a prophetic moment because I've already seen it. So if I've already seen it, that means the spirit of God has shown us in advance of what he's about to do. So that means you're here by design. You're coming down because he's wooing you, pursuing you. There's people that are sitting or standing in their seats that are still struggling. You're saying, is it real? And you're challenging God in, in the way that you're thinking. May not be saying it out, outright completely, but you are challenging him. And some are here saying, I know those guys. It's not us. If he showed us this in advance and he's doing exactly what he showed us. And if we have different people putting messages together and it comes this together like this so congruently, there's only one spirit that can do that. So as you're sitting there or standing there and you're feeling that pit in your stomach where you wanna come up but you're not coming up and you're resisting You're not resisting my voice. You're not resisting Graham. You're not resisting Mitchell. You're resisting the spirit of God. Because you need to come down. Not because of me, but because of you. Because that's part of your freedom. That's part of you stepping out. We're going to continue ministering down here.
3: God, I just thank you for what you're doing here. At this time, we're gonna, if you're getting prayed over or waiting to get prayed over, stay at the front, don't move. But if you're in your seats, we're gonna go into communion so you can grab your bread at this time. And God, I just thank you for what you're doing. I thank you for how you're moving inside each and every one of our hearts. God, I thank you for your body that was broken for us, that you loved us so dearly that God, even in our state of sin and making mistakes, that God, you said you are worthy because I've made you worthy, because I love you and I'm chasing after you with a burning desire. So God, I thank you that as we take this, we remember your sacrifice. We remember the cost, God, that it cost you greatly and that we can never repay it. We can never earn your love, Father. It's just something you give to us. So we receive it now in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank
2: you for your blood. It was the price that was paid to purchase our freedom, to cleanse our conscience, to make us right with you and adopt us into your family. And now we have access to your presence. And we thank you for the cleansing power of the blood. And by faith, Father, we, we thank you and we remember your sacrifice that has made us whole in Jesus' name.
1: We're still going to minister, and if you're at the back and you're really holding back from stepping out, you still have time. Yeah, still, you have time to come down, come on down.
0: I feel like we got uh, the double blessing because we got to hear the message twice today. Thank you so much to Pastor Mitch and James and Graham. Um, The Lord reminded me earlier this week as I was meditating on um, the sermon topic about a conversation I'd had with my daughter years ago and she had been in a conversation with some people and she was responding to them and she said that she opened her mouth and her mother fell out, meaning that you know my, the response that I would have had or uh, what I would have said in that situation just naturally kind of came out of her and it's because she spent time with me. I raised her and um, that's a, a natural byproduct of being in somebody's presence and the Lord showed me that that's what it's like when we spend time in the, whole, in the presence of the Holy Spirit his power, His anointing, His truth, everything that He is um, will so fill us and pour out of us automatically. And so I challenge you today to uh, open your mouth and, and I pray that the Holy Spirit falls out of your mouth.
4: Like Carolyn said, we are blessed to be able to hear this twice and it. That- Second time around, it's just amazing. You can get more filled up. Uh, But this uh, second time around, listening to the mom and young boy up there quoting scripture, and he said, Jesus answered the disciples and said, those that know me will do what I say. When I think of that and I think of the infilling of the Holy Spirit, we were singing that song about pour your spirit out and god told me to tell his kids to be ready he's pouring out his spirit like never before and we need to be in that position like graham was showing us on your knees receiving from him what he has for you is to minister to the people around you windsor christian fellowship you have been more than equipped now go
5: i yeah. your faithfulness I'm standing on, never changes, never changes, you heard your children then, you hear your children now, you are the same God, you are the same God, you answered prayer. The same. You're the same, God. This is who we worship tonight. He's the same, He's the same. Oh, how I need You! How I need You! Yeah. You freed the captive. Your freeing hearts right now, you are the same God, you are the same God, you touch the lepers. I feel your touch right now. You are the same God, you are the same God, every change. prayer tonight.